0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: This episode of Keeping Carlson is sponsored in part by FanDuel. Hockey is happening, which means daily fantasy hockey is happening on FanDuel. FanDuel has something for everyone, including new contests every day, starting at just $1. And now you can take on Elon and I in our Keep and Carlson Listener League. Our contest opens Tuesday morning, running on Tuesday night's games. Join us by heading over to FanDuel.com slash Carl, FanDuel.com slash K-A-R-L. See you there.
0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, 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 Carlson. hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, 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 ingen faktiskt ingen annan Carlson, det är så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores!
1: Carlson, Carlson, Carlson världens bästa Carlson,
0: Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Keep It Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by Two Guys Own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski. Big show this week. I've been so excited about it all day to chat with my friend, the fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian Cohn.
1: What a wonderful intro, Elon, is always. Inspired by the darkness, I think. And yeah, Elon, you and I, we're like friends in a candy shop doing this podcast. We're always like picking out gummies for one another.
0: I I don't even get that analogy at all. Did you think about that just now or was that something you prepared all day?
1: I wrote it down as I watched the season debut of Survivor oh
0: good reference okay now i get okay i'm sorry i called you out brian okay good job i'm very excited everyone like i said we still have to talk about all these trades that happened on monday our patrons got our early takes on our patron cast on thursday which is still available by the way it was a fun show anyways i won't promote that we gotta get going so we're gonna talk about trades there's a whole bunch of injuries and outjuries hot streaks cold streaks a lot of people are going into their fantasy playoffs people who are in the keeping carlson ultimate (laughs) patron fantasy league are already done round one of their playoffs so you know we've got lots going on so let's get into it all but first of course we have to mention that we are presented by the best fantasy hockey website out there which is dauberhockey.com your source for everything fantasy hockey you've got your articles rankings these daily ramblings super useful if you just want to know who to pick up for the next day who did well on a given day then you've got all the tools on frozen pools Your starting goalies line combinations in real time it's all there check it out dauberhockey.com brian okay I think we should start with trades and then we'll bounce around a little bit from there. But let's go back to Monday. If we go back actually to our previous episode, we already talked about a couple of trades that the New York Rangers made. We talked about Rick Nash going to Boston. We talked about Grabner going to the Devils, but they did it again. They pulled off yet another deal as they sent Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to Tampa Bay for Vladislav Nemestikov and a bunch of picks and nobodies. Who cares for right now? So let's start with the Rangers side of things and I guess redo our analysis of the fantasy capabilities of their roster now that all these trades are done. Last week, we looked into what's going to be the effect of Nash and Grabner being gone. Of course, we didn't account for JT Miller also being gone, Nemestikov being in the picture, McDonagh. So, okay, let's take a look at what the lines were for yesterday's 3 2 win over the Oilers. They were rolling with Zabanajad, Kreider, and Buchnievich for line one, Zuccarello, VC, and Nemestikov, and then Spooner, Hayes, and Fast. And then on the top power play, they went with Buciniewicz, Kreider, Zabanejad, Zuccarello, and a guy named John Gilmore, who I'll ask you about in a second. So, but overall, like these are some decent looking lines for a team that was a seller
1: at the deadline, no? Like not so bad. They're not so bad. A lot of like middle talent, like great pieces for a top nine, but they really are missing some high end pieces beyond because Zabanejad, right? I don't know how many teams in the league would like to have. Both Chris Kreider and Pavel Butnevich filling out their very top line. So, yeah, a lot of good middle six types missing the higher end pieces. But we've seen the New York Rangers get by on middle six types before.
0: Yeah, so obviously I'm not saying they're going to make a playoff run right now, but there might be some fantasy value to be mined here. Let's start with Nemesnikov, who joins the team. He had obviously a great start of the season with Kucherov and Stamkos. We all remember everyone rushing to grab me. He was like the hottest guy in the league. Hopefully you sold high. We've already said this all, like a long time ago on Tampa, where he was getting bumped from the top line and lost a lot of his fantasy value. Now he goes to the Rangers, and the question is, is he done? Or is this maybe going to be the chance for him to have a resurgence? He had a goal and an assist in his first game on the Rangers on Tuesday. He's been pointed in the two games since then. Is he a snoozer right now, Brian? Or are you now re-interested in Vladislav Nemesnikov playing on a line, like I said, with Zuccarello and VC, which isn't great, but Zuccarello is pretty good.
1: So the answer to this question lies in just how much we can rely on Nemesnikov creating his own offensive contributing enough to be able to keep up some measure of what he was doing in Tampa. So let's look at what he did in Tampa. At even strength, Vladislav Nemesnikov did not score a single goal that was not assisted on by either Stamkos or Kucherov. Seven of his 14 even-strength assists came on goals scored by either Stamkos or Kucherov, and this is not necessarily a slight against him. I know it's coming off that way, but any skilled player, including Nemesnikov, playing with those guys night in, night out, would be posting similar numbers. Of course you're going to be tied together to Stamkos and Kucherov, but it is still a prompt for us to pause and consider how much Nemesnikov has proved he can do without those two? And the answer is, well, not very much. Granted, Nemesnikov has not had a ton of opportunity to do just that, but I don't think he's quite earned the benefit of the doubt just quite yet. So given that Nemesnikov is not on the top line, not on the top power play, it's reasonable to let him go, but keep him in mind as a streamer, he could still come in handy
0: yeah though of course there are a bunch of rangers as usual who might compete with him for who you might want on the rangers maybe i'll get you to a ranking at the end i know you love that brian let's talk about probably the most valuable newcomer so far which has been ryan spooner we talked about him last week coming over from the rick nash trade but we did not expect him to have one goal and six assists in his first three games as a ranger that's insane he had no points in his fourth game yesterday but he did have four shots on goal and five in the game before so he's helping you in quite a few categories he seems to really be clicking with kevin hayes who has been red hot right along with him with three goals and one assist in his his last four games are you seeing anything sustainable in the production of this line of specifically spooner and hayes should we recommend that people take a shot on them if they're still available and of course brian i gotta ask do you have a preference between the two hayes and spooner they're both looking good right now
1: so while spooner and hayes have been playing together well kevin hayes has now scored three times on his last six shots and spooner has been the primary assist on two of those So that helps. And it's good that he's been the primary, but of course, Kevin Hayes should not necessarily score three times on his next six shots. I can tell you that in the early days of New York Ranger Ryan Spooner, he's on two extremes when playing with Kevin Hayes and Jesper Foss. And those are one is extremely high expected goals for per 60 relative to his time in Boston. And the other is extremely terrible shot attempts for percentage relative to his time in Boston. Uh, of course, we're looking at a super small sample size, so extremes aren't surprising. And the story we're seeing these extremes tell is that the fast Hayes Spooner line is allowed to continue being filled in on defense. And the trade off is that they're creating a lot of offensive opportunities. So if they continue to be allowed to make that trade off, then sure. Either player on that line, Spooner Hayes, maybe Jesper Fast as well, could be a handy add. If you're asking me who I like better, I'm probably going to go, it's even, it's even. I want to say Kevin Hayes just because I like him more as a player, but there's no real reason to think he's going to do any better or worse than Spooner based on what we've seen so far
0: yeah maybe it when you have decisions like this you could always go by who's more likely to be taken by other people like i think spooner right now is the more popular ad i don't know anyway like you say it's it's gonna be hard to say and they're playing together we'll compare them to some other guys as we keep going quick chris Kreider update we talked about his return last week and now he has points in three straight games after going pointless in his first two after coming back from injury i assume chris Kreider is the best of these other guys that we've discussed like you know we talked about spooner and hayes and nemestikov whatever like Kreider's number one right
1: Ryder is number one. He and Buciniewicz are probably still your next best options after Mika Zubanejad in Rangers forwards and in Rangers defensemen and maybe even in Rangers goalies. So just in Rangers period, one guy who is not who, or who has not yet been mentioned in this conversation is Matt Zuccarello. Not even mentioned, but he's still on pace for 55 points this season. So he should be in that conversation. I would still rather own him over Spooner and Hayes.
0: Yeah, I guess I didn't bring up Zuccarello, just because I feel like he's owned in pretty much all leagues. Like I've seen Chris Kreider dropped in a lot of leagues because he was injured, and then even people who added him might have dropped him quickly because he was pointless in those first two games. Zuccarello's never been available, at least in any of my leagues. That's why I didn't ask about him. Finally, Brian, I got to ask you, who's John Gilmore? Before the trade deadline, we had been looking at Brady Shea as the top power play quarterback on the Rangers with McDonough injured, but clearly that didn't work out for Shea. He hasn't even been on either of the power play units. It's been Anthony D'Angelo on the second power play unit, and this guy, John Gilmore on the top unit. So who is this guy? I can tell you from what I've seen, he played his first game for the Rangers this year on February 9th, was doing not much of anything for a while. Though actually his shots on goal have been good all the way through. If you look at his game logs, but now John Gilmore has one goal and one assist in his last three games, neither on the power play. So you think he'll even have some power play points to come soon since he's on that top unit with some pretty good players. I should point out that the Rangers have been running a pretty even split with their units. So maybe D'Angelo could be worth a look as well. Like They've been pretty much going 50-50 in terms of how much ice time each power play unit gets. But yeah, Brian, who is John Gilmore? What's your take on the Rangers' D situation overall? Brady Shea, clear snoozer, right?
1: Looking that way, for sure. I don't know that it's impossible for him to end up in a relevant position again before the season's out. But as you said, right now, that power play time is being split in New York between John Gilmore... And Anthony D'Angelo. As for who John Gilmore is, he stands five foot 180 pounds, so a little small. Uh, Montreal native. He was a seventh round pick of Calgary back in twenty thirteen. In his second pro season last year, uh, he started with Hartford. He didn't do a whole lot. He led like the team in rookie scoring, but that was a really a uh, small order to be able to fill. He was also second in defensive shots on goal on the team. He had 110 shots over the course of the year, which like, eh, I guess it's okay. I think that says more about the rest of the team, not taking a lot of shots from the blue line than it does about him taking a lot. This year, John Gilmore is the fourth leading scorer for AHL Hartford in his second pro season with six goals, 20 assists, and 26 points in 44 games. Not a bad stat line. The thing is that he honestly does not have much of a pedigree as a scorer or really anyone who could stick in the NHL. Dauber Prospects had John Gilmore ranked as a D-plus fantasy prospect, which is honestly pretty bleak. There aren't a lot of guys we talk about on the show who are like below a B-minus. So John Gilmore is a standout in how low his fantasy outlook was when it was most recently updated. Maybe what we're seeing now for Gilmore is a tryout For next year, if I was choosing one Rangers defenseman to own, no, it would not be him. I would prefer Anthony D'Angelo. I don't think John Gilmore has a ton of relevance. And personally, I'd rather see Brady Shea playing that role
0: i'll disagree i if you look at john gilmore's shots i like that so i would grab him right now i don't know how long it'll last but for now if you want a ranger defenseman give me the one on the top power play with Zabanajad jad and Buchnevich and company okay let's go over to tampa now brian's probably right by the way he usually is anyway okay over to tampa now they get ryan mcdonough he hasn't played yet but where does he will get into the lineup on tuesday versus florida we already called sergachev a snoozer before but now he's he's rip van winkle right I mean, he's doing nothing and he's probably gonna get bumped from the second power play and assume that mcdonough's got to be on the second unit at worst sergachev's not going to get anything and he's already doing nothing mcdonough by the way he's been having a really solid season for the Rangers. he has 26 points in 49 games that's a 44 point pace that's classic ryan mcdonough what do you think happens now that he's in tampa do you see him being better or worse than like a 45 point pace guy i'm having trouble figuring this one out since he's on a higher scoring team so he should be on the ice for more even strength goals but he's clearly behind headman in the depth chart curious to know what do you think about mcdonough moving forward let me know
1: What do you mean, let me know? You don't need to add that at the end of a question. This isn't like an email where you're asking me, let me know when you have a chance. Thanks, Elon. Uh, I would love to let you know once Tampa lets us know, once McDonough lets them know that he's ready to play, or I guess the team doctors. Everybody needs to be let know what exactly McDonough is going to do as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not sure yet. He hasn't played. The thing about him is he's a lefty, but he can play both sides. So he can shift around in the lineup where he's needed in Tampa. McDonough played on the right side a lot this year while paired with other now former New York Ranger left-handed defenseman Nick Holden. So maybe McDonough plays with his former Rangers partner in Dan Girardi, or maybe he plays on Sergachev's right side on the second pairing. One thing I haven't seen speculated is that McDonough plays with Hedman. I think the idea is to have McDonough create another pair in addition to Hedman's pair that can shut down and threaten offensively it can be a really solid tandem. So they have two pairs that they can really trust when one of them is on the ice. And obviously, if they put Stroman on the other, maybe they can trust that one too. As for what McDonough's fantasy value is, because of all this, it's probably down a little bit. But maybe he can stay reasonably relevant. Like think of Anton Stroman. Even when Victor Hedman was doing his thing in Tampa, Victor Stroman could still get like 40 points when he was doing well. So maybe McDonough can manage the same. Uh, That's what I'm hoping. I expect to at least eat a fair amount of minutes, which should give him opportunities to keep blocking a couple shots, taking a couple shots, and hopefully getting in on a couple of those amazing Tampa goals that keep getting scored this year.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if he got a 45 point pace on the Rangers as a second power play defenseman and second guy behind Shattenkirk, why can't he at least do the same on Tampa or maybe a little better? I I don't know. Like around 45 point pace seems good to me. We'll have to wait and see, like you say, and see how he's deployed. By the way, Brian, side note, Victor Hedman, he had two goals and two assists versus Philly yesterday. That brings him up to 49 points in 61 games on the year. That's a 66 point pace. Not too far from his 72 last year. At the beginning of the year, we were talking about how Hedman was way, way behind, slowly creeping back. Obviously, a four-point game will help with that.
1: For sure. And I'm glad you brought that up, Elon, because nobody was facing more skepticism coming into this season about repeating uh, an amazing year he had last year than Victor Hedman. And here we are, and it's been done so quietly. No one's even noticed. Of course, it helps that the team in front of him is clicking, but he is a part of this. So good on you, Victor Hedman, for being able to do the nearly impossible task of following up on a 72-point career year.
0: He is good. I feel like, yeah, when people talk about who's the top fantasy defenseman out there, people rarely say Hedman, but he should definitely be, at least in the conversation. So, Brian, up front for Tampa... Nikita Kucherov missed a couple of games, but he was back yesterday and he was on the line with Stamkos and Killorn. So that sounds like obviously a great spot for Killorn if he can hold it. Though I've got to say, I'm not super confident in that happening as things have been shuffling around a lot lately. Killorn was bumped from the top power play recently, but an interesting option with Nemestikov gone. JT Miller has looked great. He's slotted right into the second line with Yanni Gourd and Braden Point. So good spot for him. And JT Miller, he had two assists versus Dallas on Thursday, then he had a goal yesterday. Welcome to Tampa Bay, J.T. Miller. So, Brian, I'm curious, how are you liking J.T. Miller moving forward as a new Ranger of the Tampa Bay Lightning? For the last time, can I ask you to compare him to some Rangers forwards in Spooner, Nemesnikov, and Kevin Hayes?
1: Is a new Ranger of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I was too focused on that to catch the list of names, but I think I think I'll remember who you want me to compare them to. But first, J T. Miller playing with Gordon Point, like you said, I like anyone playing with Yanni Gord and Braden Point. So I like J T. Miller. Another thing that's changed for him since moving to the Lightning is that he's playing almost two minutes more per night as a member of the Lightning than he was as a Ranger. So I like him quite a bit. We've also talked about how he seems to be a legitimately talented guy in his own right, too, regardless of who he's playing with, where he plays, how much he plays. So yeah, I prefer J.T. Miller to Nemesnikov, to Spooner, to Hayes, to any of the guys that you just named, especially any New York Ranger who's not on the top power play
0: oh wow okay so go out and grab jt miller if you can and since we're on tampa one last thing that we'll get past the first trade potential snoozer alert for tyler johnson he's pointless in three games he only has three points in his last 11 games and he played yesterday with Corey conacher and adam ernie so not a good spot for him of course like i said things get shaken up all the time in tampa but watch out for tyler johnson if you still have him there might be better options available for you brian you probably want to comment on that right as a tyler johnson owner
1: Yeah, me and anyone else who owned him. Tyler Johnson helped his owners get to where they are at this point in their fantasy seasons, but there's no time for sentimentality. We're here in the playoffs. He hasn't been doing anything consistently for a while, so it's time to start looking and probably finding another option for anyone who still owns Tyler Johnson at this point.
0: Okay, so that's one trade in the books. How about next? Let's look at a trade. Probably the trade that surprised me the most on Monday, which is when the St. Louis Blues sent Paul Stasny to Winnipeg for picks and a prospect. I didn't even know Stasny was on the block. Off he went. I don't even get what St. Louis is doing. Aren't they in the playoff race? I guess not. Anyways, huge opportunity for Paul Stasny, who not only took Brian Little's job as the line two centerman of Ehlers and Line A, but he also bumped Kyle Connor from the top power play unit in his first game with Nashville. Anyways, it went really well. Like I said, he was in that spot and he scored a goal. He had a power play assist. Then things started to get shaken up in his next game on the team. and He didn't get any points. And Winnipeg played again today. They're actually still going. They're winning 2-1 against Carolina. So let me check real time these lines. Yeah, so he's been still playing with Laine and Ehlers. And on the top power play, yeah, he's there with Wheeler and Shifley and Laine in Buffalo. So a really great spot for Paul Stasny. Better than even his spot in St. Louis in the best of times, maybe, when he was playing with Tarasenko. Because these are all really great players that he's playing with. Curious to know, Brian, what do you think about Stasny moving forward? He has 42 points in 65 games so far, which is a 53-point pace. Do you think he could do better while he's on this great line in Winnipeg, better than a 53-point guy, or do you expect him to stay pretty much the same?
1: Early returns are showing that the line of Paul Stasny, Nick Ehlers, and Patrick Liney is, like, right off the charts, crushing it in shot attempts. In very limited time together, they're averaging 90 shot attempts, four per 60 minutes, and 50 shots on goal. Per 60 minutes which are good numbers they're also insane numbers uh, but just to compare like these are small sample but in a bigger sample for Stasny and St. Louis he wasn't putting up 90 shot attempts four per 60 with Sabatka and Tank or Steen he's putting up 60 shot attempts four per 60 minutes and 30 shots four per 60 minutes instead of 50 shots four per 60 minutes I only mentioned those numbers to illustrate how wild these are but again it's like the start of the season for this sort of thing. When we're like, okay, we're not going to get caught up in any ridiculous number. uh, But of course, it's fun to just think that there's some real spark and promise there. I'm not going to promise that the Stasny line, A, sticks together, or B, that this offensive dominance is guaranteed to continue. Of course, getting points for them has been helped along by shooting 20% when all are on the ice together at even strength. But it's a very good place for Paul Stasny to be. And one where I'm less paranoid of him being shuffled around the way he was in St. Louis. Just based on that and how really fantastic Stasny's two new line mates are, not to mention his own skill level, I think Stasny's pace can increase from here on out, even as that line shooting percentage regresses. Jets are a big scoring team, and I'm looking forward to seeing Paul Stasny get in on that.
0: I agree. Definitely grab Paul Stasny if he is available. I'm not sure compared to other guys we've talked about, but I'm pretty sure of everyone we've discussed, you want Stasny the most, I think. I'd have to think back and confirm. And Kyle Connor, watch out, bump from the top power play. Not great for him. Still on a good line, though. Okay, and then let's look over in St. Louis. The trade is obviously not a great omen for things to come for them. Like Already, Allen and Hutton have been bad lately, and I imagine wins will be even harder to come by, even if you happen to pick the right goalie for the given week or game that's going to play. Then we have Schwartz and Tarasenko, who've both been good. That's pretty much it, actually, in terms of their forwards. So Schwartz and Tarasenko doing fine in yesterday's game versus Dallas, though they were running with Shen, Schwartz and Yaskin and then Barbashev Steen and Tarasenko and like I said pretty much the only guys you want to be playing with right now are Schwartz and Tarasenko so what do you think about these periphery guys like Barbashev or Yaskin they're getting exposure to great players do you think they might be worth adding or do you expect just like a lot of shakeups and not too many points regardless like for what it's worth Barbashev he scored a goal yesterday only took one shot but playing with Tarasenko is good and Alex Steen but I don't know it's hard to be too excited about St. Louis players right now.
1: It is. And you look at someone who has been exposed to good players all year long in St. Louis. For example, Vladimir Sabotka spent most of his year with Paul Stasny and then either Alex Teen or Vladimir Tarasenko as the third piece of that line. And all Sabotka has to show for that is a 30 point pace. So I'm not terribly into Barbashev or Yaskin, especially with the Blues only playing two games late in this upcoming week yeah well
0: for sure if you are going to add a player that we recommend you obviously have to look at the schedule don't add someone right now that you could easily just wait and add on thursday if you need them and you could stream someone else in in advance great point brian okay let's go to our next big trade which was evander kane being sent to san jose in exchange for danny O'Regan and some picks. Kane's got to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of the deadline right like maybe Paul Stasny but he was in an okay spot but Evander Kane like when Eichel got injured we thought the one bright spot the only player who maybe benefited would be Evander Kane getting on the top power play but even that didn't last Evan Rodriguez took Eichel's spot and Evander Kane got nothing now Kane finally gets the primo spot that I'm sure he's wanted for a long time he's on the Sharks Top line with Pavelski and Donskoy and on the top power play with Couture, Hurdle, Pavelski, and Burns. We all know the story with Evander Kane at this point, right? Like he has huge potential and he's been disappointing for the most part, but he did have a monster start to this season before going ice- cold he did though have goals in each of his last two games in buffalo with a very convenient surge in ice time for those games before the trade deadline and so far in san jose he put up two assists versus edmonton and then one assist versus chicago two shots in each of those games i'd imagine kane's not available in any leagues but if he is he's an easy ad right like not even much to discuss here i know i've been throwing this out there now about easy ads but like paul stasny evander kane they're obvious and they're looking really good right now
1: for sure evander kane is likely as you said one of the bigger beneficiaries even weren't we supposed to change the way we use that word benefit no instead of benefactor
0: yeah don't worry I got this
1: okay good uh the hugest beneficiary I'm just going for it on trade deadline day Kane was being buried on Buffalo in a bad way so he gets new life with San Jose now with a team who has a fresh reserve of patience to offer him by the way uh while we're talking about San Jose Elon did we talk about Kevin LeBanc on just the patron cast or was but it the we, show
0: we talked about it on the patron cast and we also I I corrected you and said it's Kevin LeBanc we've been corrected too many times for us to keep making this mistake
1: Brian I, I well you know after enough times I can't remember which is the right version and which is the wrong version that I'm being corrected on okay LeBanc Uh, really blew his opportunity. He did not take it to the bank. That should be an easy way to help me remember it. Just four points in his last 14 games. 32 shots is okay, but LeBanc's time on ice sunk back down beneath the 15-minute mark recently. He was not able to keep up his initial momentum from the first few games after Thornton's injury where he did have a few points. So uh, if you still have him on your roster, you probably shouldn't. It was a blown opportunity for Kevin LeBanc with Thornton out and Evander Kane's in the picture. Was that a joke? Yes.
0: Okay, good. People don't like that, Brian. Anyways, yeah. LeBanc... Total snoozer, get him off your team faster than you got sergachev off of your team when I told you that he was Rip Van Winkle earlier. Thomas Hurdle, by the way, is in a really nice spot on the top power play and on line two with Couture and vodka That top power play hopefully is improved now with Evander Kane. Hurdle only has one assist in five games since returning from injury, and San Jose doesn't play until Thursday of this week. So I feel like he could be a really nice sneaky late season add. Like maybe people have dropped Hurdle; they're tired of him now, especially with a few games off. No one's gonna want him right now. He might get dropped and you can grab him Brian he reminds me remember last year Marcus Johansson on Washington in our joint league he was dropped by the team that we ended up playing in the finals and he was dropped I think because of a bad schedule He had a few cold games and he was on the top power play on the Capitals and he was like our MVP And I don't know I get this hunch that Hurdle's gonna be that guy for someone this year it's so like maybe don't add him now wait for him to get a goal or something we keep your eye on him he's on the top power play he's on a good line with Couture I don't know just Normally we don't bring up players who are slumping, but I think he's slumping, but has something to offer. But a likely, he might not even be available though. One guy who probably is available though is Eunice Donskoy, who has three assists in two games since Evander Kane came over. And like I told you, he's the one playing with Kane and Joe Pavelski on the top line. We always used to recommend the guy playing with the Joes. It was a common thing on keeping Carlson. Like, Oh, this guy's playing with Pavelski and Thornton. You got to grab him. How do we feel about a guy playing with a Joe and an Evander?
1: Pretty good. I wouldn't expect any more from Donskoy with Joe and Evander versus Joe times two. Uh so that means from Don Skoy you can expect streaky, good if you can catch him at the right time, but no sure thing, just like Tomas Hurdle, who Elon, like you mentioned, he is not doing anything right now. Hurdle over the last however many seasons, over the course of his career, since that four goal game or whatever, consistently a threat to be relevant. But also consistently a disappointment. For Hurdle, it's not like one point in five games is so rare from him this year. He has struggled to a 45 point full season pace so far. He has the deployment, and he's done it before. So if you're a hurdle optimist, this is a good time to add him. A couple of positive signs for hurdle optimists out there. Uh, one, his on-ice shooting percentage is not very good so far, though this is for the second straight year, although I don't think that's a pattern. So that could rise, and you could get more points that way. And also, Hurdle's IPP has been down around 50% instead of the mid-60s from the last couple of years. So maybe the glass is half full for Tomash Hurdle. Okay, and Donskoy, did you say anything about him? I definitely did. You need to get out of the chat, Elon, and get into this show. Sorry, it's so fun. We got a live chat room
0: here talking with the guys. Okay, just give me a quick yes or no on Donskoy. Oh, yeah, you said that it's good on the Joes. Okay, fine take a look he, he's looking good and in a good spot who knows uh let's now talk about buffalo and they all right re- like i mean they're so thin right now with eichel injured now evander kane is gone i never thought i'd say this but now they're being hurt because evan rodriguez is day-to-day with an upper body injury so their practice lines today were o'reilly gergensens and reinhardt then ocposo with josephson and nolan which is being listed as the fourth lines i don't know if Akposo's is online for it. who even knows the rest of the lines are all nobodies like trust me like at but i mean the thing is buffalo has a good schedule next week they have monday and wednesday games so you could grab a buffalo player early technically and get two games out of them on off days and then decide what to do with the player after that but i wonder at this point is it really worth streaming anyone or owning anyone on buffalo aside from ryan o'reilly or rasmus ristolainen like like i said akposo he's cold right now and he's on a terrible line there's sam reinhardt i guess he's the best option he has five points in his last six games and decent shots on goal like what do you think about reinhardt brian like do you think he can keep this run going rest of season like last year i remember i was so into him people ended up making fun of me but like he started the year and Eichel was injured and I thought I'm gonna hold on to Reinhardt just because once Eichel comes back then finally Reinhardt is gonna be good and then Eichel did come back and Reinhardt did better but wasn't so great now Eichel's injured and Reinhardt's still doing well so I don't know what to do with him I'm not sure if people should add him or not my gut says no but obviously he's on a hot run so maybe I would look dumb by saying no and then he just continues to do well
1: my gut also says, do not add Sam Reinhardt, but that's what my gut has said for like the last five weeks when he's been staring me in the face in a couple leagues that have been shallow enough for him to remain a free agent. But had I not listened to my gut and just added him, he'd have already scored so many points for me. He's been a point-per-game player, Sam Reinhart, over the last six weeks. Eight goals, 13 assists, 21 points with seven power play points, 58 shots on goal. Those are some legitimately high-end numbers, 21 points in 21 games, especially with those power play points and shots on goal coming at a nice rate too. Even though I remain unconvinced that Sam Reinhart or any Buffalo Sabre can keep up a point per game pace for very long, this is how I felt since late January. So at this point, he's forced my hand, especially with Buffalo's good schedule this week. You can add him, see what he can do for your team, and then blame yourself for being the jinx that stops his run the moment you do get him on your roster.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. By the way, Brian, fun fact remember how I mentioned that Danny O'Regan came back in this trade for Evander Kane? Turns out that Eichel, O'Regan, and Evan Rodriguez all played on the same line at some point for Boston University. So I don't know, maybe a potential reunion when it will happen next year, which would obviously be great for O'Regan and Rodriguez if they end up on a line with Eichel next year. Something to think about over the summer as you're trying to decide what to do when you're drafting your last pick at the end of the draft or, you know, last minute free agent ads. And Brian, very quickly on Buffalo, Chad Johnson has been great lately. He has three straight really strong starts, including a 2-1 overtime win over tampa on tuesday he's already been announced to be getting the start versus toronto tomorrow looks like he's potentially gonna steal starts from robin leonard moving forward leonard has been uh not so good so what do you think about chad johnson in leagues where people really value goalies and getting a goalie who starts a lot is is worth it do you think people should be rushing to add chad johnson seems like he might go 50 50 the rest of the way though who knows how good he'll actually be with all of these injuries and already a shallow team and the fact that he's chad johnson
1: Yeah, rushing to add Chad Johnson is generally not something anybody does, but it is worth noting, and I'm glad you brought it up, that Chad Johnson has started three of Buffalo's last six games, stopping 82 of 86 shots he's faced for a 954 save percentage with games with two goals against, one goal against, and one goal against. So Chad Johnson sure could steal starts playing like that. So I think this really only has an impact on you if you already own Robin Lehner and you're counting on him for saves, it's best to take a peek around your free agent list and see if there's another option for you because Chad Johnson could steal starts. If you don't have Chad Johnson and he's a free agent, I still like would be pretty reluctant to add him to your team unless you're looking for saves and you know he's starting. He's still a good candidate to blow up your numbers.
0: Yeah, always risky, though we've been saying that about Anthony Yemi for the past couple of weeks, and he's been great. So who knows? Maybe right now is the time for the crappy goalies from last year to come back and do really well. By the way, if you want to go and see one of these goalies, you know, Buffalo, actually, who we're talking about. It's really not too far from Toronto, and it's so hard and expensive to go to a Leafs game. Why not take a road trip to Buffalo? I don't know if you live in Toronto. And if you want to get a ticket to a game, maybe consider using our sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, man! Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with Seeking. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, playing a night out with friends, you need to find the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best price, fully guaranteed. Right now, it's basically playoffs for a lot of teams. Like These games are so important, so you could go see a hockey game and see some real emotion, have real stakes on the line. Now's the time to go see a game, so why not Check out SeatGeek, and you could even get a small discount on your first ticket purchase if you're a listener of the show. Why don't you tell our listeners about that, Brian?
1: Yeah, I don't even know. Is it a small discount? It could be a pretty big one, depending on where you're buying tickets. Like in Arizona, this could be good for a pair of tickets. Our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code KEEPING today. That's promo code KEEPING for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase
0: yeah i guess it's a small discount if you're buying a leafs ticket and it might be a significant discount if you're buying a buffalo Sabers ticket though Matt is saying in the chat room that toronto plays buffalo six times this month so if you want to go see the leafs maybe you could do it in buffalo for a little cheaper i don't know you'll have to check out the prices over on SeatGeek. but okay brian let's move on to our next trade let's go to vegas and talk about thomas tatar who got sent to vegas for three picks over the next few years a few a lot of people like really jumped on tatar under the assumption that everything vegas touches turns to gold that's a quote that our patron peter told us and i mean it's been True, like all these players who we thought were nobodies have come to Vegas and done really well. Do we think the same thing will happen to Tatar? I believe he scored a goal today. Let me just remind myself because I wrote our notes for the show before the game started against the Devils. But yeah, Tatar scored a power play goal assisted by Peron and Hunt. So yeah. Who knows what he'll do on Vegas? Who knows what anyone's going to do on Vegas? Like, Tatar's been on a decent line with James Neal out. He's been playing with Hala and Peron. He had no points in his first two games, but he did have six shots. We'll have to see how things shake out once James Neal is healthy. I'm curious, right? So what do you think about Tatar for the rest of the season? He only has 28 points in 64 games so far. That's what he did on Detroit. But if he's on the second line in Vegas and getting power play time, it's a pretty nice landing spot on a high scoring team. Like I said, it might be temporary, but curious to know, what do you think about Thomas Tatar moving forward? Were people right to jump on him in free agency? I'm sure they're happy if they did for his power play goal today.
1: A couple things offer Thomas Tatar a new luster, uh, shininess that... People might want to jump on in their fantasy leagues. One is that he's in Vegas. The other is that look at the price that Vegas paid. They paid a first rounder, a second rounder, and a third rounder. And that to me came as a bit of a surprise given how Tatar is on a 35 point pace this year with no massive flags of unfortunate variance that's caused him to be so low. And also no recent history for Tatar of being better than a 45 point guy. But hey, Vegas is built on guys who'd been undervalued and underutilized by their former teams so I'm keeping an open mind here that maybe he could do something on the second line is a good place to be better than the third line which is where I think he started as a golden knight but I'm glad he's already working his way up into the top six there.
0: Yeah, but then, like I said, Neal is injured, so who knows if he'll be able to hold that spot. Really, it doesn't matter for Vegas. They don't even need any production from any line other than their first line, the way Carlson, Marciusso, and Riley Smith have been going against me in my Kukufel matchup this week, by the way, which made it very stressful. But I think I'm going to pull through, so don't you worry about me, listeners. I'll still be here to whine about the Kukufel next week. But man, like William Carlson, he has five goals and three assists in his last five games. Scores every game, basically. Actually, today, that line didn't score a goal. So I guess Vegas did need other help for today against New Jersey, and they got the win, but generally, it's been Carlson, Marceau, and Smith. So yeah, Carlson's on fire. Marshall continues to get points almost every game. He's currently, or at least going into today, he was on a five-game point streak with one goal and six assists in that span. 65 points in 62 games now on the season, so we're very far into the year, and Marceau is still on above an 80-point pace. Then we have Riley Smith. No slouch. He has three goals and six assists in his last five games again before today, and he has 60 points in 65 games on the year. It's just crazy. This line is so good brian i don't even have any questions for you i'm just gonna think back to how i could have had all these guys for a song at the beginning of the season i probably could have drafted marsh so late in my drafts i could have grabbed riley smith or william carlson as free agents for free for nothing but in, and now i'm just gonna cry silently thinking of that i don't even have a question for you maybe let's just go to detroit to talk about the impact of losing tatar but actually there's really nothing new to talk about on detroit detroit's so boring so maybe we could just move on to the next trades
1: Sure, I'll just, I want to own this, this whole Vegas thing. Elon, you didn't add any of those top line guys in Vegas in your leagues. I didn't add any of those guys in my leagues. I didn't, we didn't advise. Well, you might have like excitedly advised. And then I was like, no, no, like Vegas, we don't believe in them yet. We let you down. If you're listening to this podcast and you heeded our advice and you missed out on those three Vegas guys because we were so tepid towards them and took us so long to believe, we're sorry. We're sorry, we own that one.
0: Okay, well, I don't know. I'm not sorry. We haven't discussed this, Brian. Don't apologize on my behalf.
1: <laughs> okay, guys... I'm apologizing on my own behalf. If you listened to Elon, you would have added them plus 300 other people. <laughs>
0: yeah, you wouldn't have dropped that. Any... Well, you would have dropped everyone who went cold for a few games. Though I did say on this episode to hold on to Tomas Hurdle, right? So I'm not only just always <laughs> going with what's happened in the last week, right? Okay, so let's talk about a few minor trades. These are trades that I probably wouldn't have brought up, and then these players have done something and like forced my hand and made me talk about them. So Pat Maroon joined Grabner as a new acquisition on the Dell. Devils. edmonton got a third round pick and a prospect for maroon which is pretty good maroon lands in a really plum spot on the top power play with hall Palmieri, zajac and vatnin he's been on line for and even strength but if he's used as a power play specialist he can have some value i guess like sam gagne from last year maroon had two assists in his debut on thursday versus florida nothing on friday versus carolina aside from five hits of course as pat maroon is wont to do today against vegas let's see what he did an assist probably on the power play i'm guessing let me scroll up here of course power play assist on the power play goal by sammy Batten. And so yeah it's a really good spot for maroon especially if your league has power play points which it probably doesn't if it doesn't you get points on the power play he's on a power play with taylor hall who doesn't stop getting points like by the way taylor hall like he's now had points in 25 straight games for anyone counting he's so good he has four power play goals in his last five games and more power play points tonight so yeah that makes me really interested in Pat Maroon on that top power play unit, as well as anyone else on that unit. So like Sammy Vatnin, by the way, if he's still available in your league, you have to grab him. We've already said that, but just a reminder. Brian, what do you think about Pat
1: Maroon? Good. Good for him. He gets to be on the top power play, which is really important. Also in New Jersey, Kyle Palmieri just chugging along as well. Suddenly there are, well, I wouldn't say three devils automatically forwards to, to be worth owning. I was going to lump Maroon in with Hall and Palmieri, but maybe he gets there. I mean, you know,
0: with pat maroon is the same as on edmonton probably who knows how long he'll stay on that top power play like he's there for now but he seems like the type of guy that's going to get cycled but for a spot start for like daily fantasy on FanDuel, for example grab pat maroon for cheap and you might get a power play point out of him brian speaking of the devils they also got some nice news with the return of Corey schneider though he didn't have the best return in a 3-2 loss to florida on thursday he stopped 26 of 29 then like i said another loss today versus vegas and he only stopped 24 of 27 so not a great return for Corey schneider so far but still i'd imagine new jersey's gonna lean on him for their playoff push and like keith Kincaid goes back to fantasy irrelevance like tell me if you disagree with me here but i feel like anyone who's holding keith Kincaid can drop him now schneider going into today had a 913 save percentage on the season so far curious no brian let's bet on it or if you had to bet on it would you take the over or under where he's going to end is he going to be above 913 or below 913
1: I'm going to go higher than 913 the rest of the way for Corey Schneider. Schneider has actually posted pretty healthy goal saved above average numbers. He's well placed in the top half of goalies in that stat this year. And New Jersey seems to be suppressing shots more effectively in the second half than they were in the first. So I guess I still have faith that Schneider can play better than an average goalie and get a little more support from the team in front of him than he was getting earlier in the year. That said, if you want to make a bet about it, I am not willing to bet very much at all on him going higher. It could be 50-50. I'm going to take the 51% chance, though, in my mind.
0: Oh, I would take that bet. I'm gonna guess lower. I feel like Schneider; he's just like not that great anymore. Like it, it all depends. Like he's gonna go on a run one way or the other. He's gonna go on a hot streak or he's gonna go on a cold streak, and we'll see. New Jersey really needs him. Taylor Hall's doing his best, trying to get. Like, he's giving a point or two every game. The rest of the team not doing too much. Corey Schneider is really gonna have to stand on his head, I think, for the Devils to make it into the playoffs. Though, actually, I haven't looked at the standings. I assume that's the case. And okay, since I do have a computer in front of me, I just checked, and New Jersey is currently in a wild card spot, the top wild card spot. They have 74 points. Carolina is behind them. So Florida's behind them with 70. And then Carolina's just outside the playoffs right now with 69, along with Columbus. So it's going to be a bit of a tight race. New Jersey looking okay right now. Anyways, my opinion stands i'm not sure about Corey schneider but if you have him on your team you gotta roll with him and just hope that taylor hall and the rest of the devils will help get him enough goals to try for wins and then it'll be up to schneider to stop the pucks we had a question here in the chat room from matt asking if he should drop warrensky for vatnin and i was thinking like yeah i think so Brian, we've talked about warrensky before as a bit of a snoozer now that he's off the top power play he actually has points in each of his last couple of games and then matt said or schultz and it's like yeah for sure Drop Schultz for Vatanen. I'd probably drop both of them for Vatanen. I really like Vatanen on that top power play on the Devils. Uh, let's go to the Edmonton Oilers side of losing Pat Maroon. So they lose Maroon, but they gain Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who finally returned from his rib injury yesterday versus the Rangers. He had a great return. He scored a goal, took four shots. I'll tell you the Oilers lines that they had yesterday, but they're probably going to change. So for, take this with a grain of salt but they were rolling with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Lucic. Then RNH with Camilleri and Pontus Auberg, who was acquired from Nashville in a deal involving Mark Letestu. And maybe we'll get to him a little later. Uh, then Brian Strom was with Slepeshev and Puli And the top power play was Dreisaitl, Lucic, McDavid, Strom, and Clefbaum. So no Nuge on the top power play. He was there for a bit before his injury, but still, bright. So if Nugent Hopkins was dropped during his injury, would you be looking to add him now? He's up to 32 points in 47 games on the year, which is a 56-point pace, which is really good. Not a bad FA pickup for your playoff run. If you think he can keep that up,
1: what do you think? Can he do it? I'm not so sure that Ryan Nugent Hopkins can keep it up. As much as I love the guy, there are a few reasons to think that he may not come back as strong as he was when he was playing pre-entry. The first is that Ryan Nugent Hopkins was shooting 17% pre-injury, which probably gave him about six more goals than he'd have had he shot more in line with his usual career numbers. The second reason is that Ryan Nugent Hopkins' IPP is sky high, up in the low 80s, which is what we see from elite offensive producers but we've never seen that from RNH before. He's lived more in like the 60 to 70% territory and finally the other reason that I'm not counting on Ryan Nugent-Hopkins to continue his pre-injury production is that I'd rather see him with guys like Lucic, Maroon, even maybe Jesse Poole-Yarvey than I would Michael Camilleri and Pontus Auberg. Maybe Camilleri, Nugent-Hopkins and Auberg find some wonderful chemistry, but I'm not holding my breath. Anyone who's hoping, by the way, that he doesn't spend a lot of time on that line and that it's just temporary and time with Drysaddle or McDavid could be in Nugent Hopkins' future, that would be nice. But neither of those guys, neither Drysaddle or McDavid, are amongst RNH's 10 most common line mates this year. In fact, no Oilers regular has spent less time with McDavid than Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So short answer, am I interested in him? No. I'm not really looking to add him now, though I still will keep my eye on him because he's a pretty good player given the opportunity. I'm just not sure what kind of opportunity that line presents for him.
0: Well, you know, Brian, if you're saying that he wasn't playing... I'm going to do some math in my head here, okay? So if you're saying that Nugent Hopkins has had a really high IPP this year, which means he's been in on almost all the goals that have been scored while he's been on the ice, and you're saying that might be a bit of an indication that he's had some good luck, but you're also saying that he hasn't been playing very much with McDavid and Dreisaitl, then doesn't it kind of make sense... That like, if he's playing with nobodies, of course, he's going to be the one driving the offense and making goals happen. If a goal is scored on the ice, if it wasn't him, who else would it have been that did all the work?
1: Okay, I see your point. Just means that he is still going to have to do a lot of that work. And it also does not excuse the shooting percentage issue that I mentioned. Uh, He has 17 goals, which make up uh, more than half of his 32 points. Right now, you take away six goals, like if you regress him back to his normal shooting percentage, he would have 21 points in 47 games. And Elon, do you know what that puts him at on a full season 82 game pace?
0: I don't know, half a point per game. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. I actually still agree with your conclusion. I'm just going to say that I think the IPP part of it makes sense. I'm not concerned about that high IPP. I'd almost be concerned if he didn't have a high IPP playing on like the third line. But yeah, if he's playing with bad linemates and he has a high shooting percentage, hard to be too excited. Though if he's available in free agency, it's hard not to jump on a guy who's currently on a 56-point pace. Uh, Brian, and also how about Ryan Strom? So curious to know now what you think about Nugent Hopkins versus a guy like Ryan Strom, who has five goals and three assists in his last eight games, point per game, over the last couple of weeks. Is Ryan Strom finally breaking out? We thought he would do it like a couple years ago we thought he was good then we thought it was ridiculous how he was traded for eberly but eberly's been kind of slow lately and ryan Strom doing great of course i'm being somewhat facetious it's a very small sample size but also only one of these points of these eight points in the last eight games have been on the power play he's been on the top power play which is of course a very great spot to be on the oilers so maybe he'd even have an extra power play point or two if bounces went his way what do you think about him moving forward worth an ad or still someone that you wouldn't be interested in if you saw him in your free agency
1: Still someone I I'm not terribly interested in. Ryan Strome is putting in all these goals just in time to up his contract demands this summer. That's the very cynical take. It's not quite mine. I'm sure he just wants to score goals, uh, but his five goals have come on 10 shots. So yeah, I'm not buying in heavily on Ryan Strome. He's playing with Pulyarvi and Slepyshev, who both, I don't know, I have an open mind about what they're capable of, but as a trio, I'm just not sure which guy there is going to be the one to really bring them forward and help create scoring opportunities on a regular basis
0: okay so it sounds like overall you're not too high on most Oilers players how about Lucic he's doing nothing but he's playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl that's good right
1: good that he's doing nothing or good that he's playing with those guys like
0: it's good that he's playing with those guys and he's on the top power play. Is he like a Elon version of Tomas Hurdle like he's not doing anything but I'm expecting him to do well. I'm not I don't even know if I'm expecting Lucic to do well because it's been so long that he's been playing with these good players and he's not doing anything but it's like such a good spot can you get better line mates than McDavid and Dreisaitl
1: very much a Donskoy or Hurdle situation, except Lucic has a bit more of a history of actually producing when you expect him to. So let's hope that he's just on an insanely cold run and that he is not just finished as an NHL scorer, which would be pretty unlikely.
0: That would also be pretty sad for the Oilers, who still, I think, have him under contract for like seven more years or whatever it is for big money. Uh, okay, so yeah. I mentioned that Pontus Auberg is now on Edmonton, I think. So he came from Nashville, I guess. And Nashville, So some changes there. They got Ryan Hartman from the Blackhawks for some picks and prospect and he's actually looked good. He has two points in three games, at least before today. I think that Nashville did play today and Who am I talking about? Ryan Hartman? I am even trying to keep track of all these nobody players who I have to bring up just because they've gotten points after being traded. And he's like, are you interested in Ryan Hartman? So he had no points today. He also had no points in the game against Vancouver. I'm just going to shut this down. Probably not, right? Like he was playing with Fiala and Tourist today because Craig Smith missed the game and we don't know why yet. So that's something to keep your eye on because Craig Smith has been really hot lately. Also on Nashville, Mike Fisher is finally back. We heard that he was going to re-sign with the team, cancel his retirement, and he had a goal in his first game but uh, then he's on the fourth line, and he didn't play today. So we're not we're going to have to wait till the next game to see what he can do next. There was some look of potentially a line shakeup, but today they went back with Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson in the game against Colorado, which they won in overtime. So at this point, I don't know. What, what can I even ask you about? Oh, also Ro- Roman Yossi is day-to-day, so that's something to be concerned about. Everything's all up in the air with Nashville. They had a weird game today with all these players not playing. Um, There's Callie Yarncroft, by the way, who has a five-game point streak, or at least he did going into today's game. I'd have to check and see how he did. Man, Brian, if only there was a way that we could stop time and then prep the show and then not have anything happen until we talk about it. What did Callie Yarncroft do today? Nothing. No points. But he was on a good streak, so does that mean that that streak was unsustainable? Who do you like on Nashville? I don't even know. Do you have any takes about (laughs) what's going on in Nashville with Hartman in and Auberg out and Fisher in and Roman Yosi? injured and yarn crock on a hot streak
1: very little very little to add to what you said which you essentially just named a bunch of predators maybe we can have a new segment where we pick one team and just name a bunch of players on them Ryan Hartman like if you want me to have a take on him I like that he's already been at or above the 15 minute mark for ice time twice in his three games as a predator given that that had been a rarity for Hartman in Chicago pretty much since October after the initial excitement of him playing with Kane or Taves in the top six, uh, wore war off. Yarncroc seems to be clicking pretty well with Hartnell and Bonino. Nice run he was on. I, I don't think he'll continue scoring at that clip, but it's nice to see some production from him every so often. Fisher, I have the least interest in out of those three. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, here's one guy we could all agree on is worth talking about in Nashville,
0: and that's Ryan Ellis. Such a good under the radar pick for anyone who drafted him and stashed him in IR when the announcement came that he was going to be out until January. He's just been amazing. Another great game today. He had a goal and two assists. Before that, he had 17 points in 26 games. So I guess that makes it 20 points in 27 games, over 55 point pace. He's like really good. Ryan Ellis is the real deal.
1: Yeah, he's been outstanding. And I can't say that there are any like huge markers of unsustainability either. It's still more reasonable. Like if you own him, this is not the new normal necessarily. We're not about to see him become a 50 plus point guy. Mid 40s is more reasonable, but we can at least feel comfortable that he's going to hit that mark. He is looking gangbusters since he returned from injury. Can you look gangbusters or do you be gangbusters? He is gangbusters. Is gangbusters.
0: I don't know. That
1: is B. Do you B? Okay, well, listeners
0: tweeted us at <laughs> Keeping Carlson and let us know how you use the word gangbusters in your everyday speech. And Brian, I'm going to give you another team where I'm going to just name a bunch of players now because I want to talk about the Boston Bruins. So first of all, this first thing, it's not a trade, but Brian Gionta signed with the team after captaining Team USA in the Winter Olympics. I wasn't even planning to bring this up when I saw the news. I was like, whatever, this is a minor thing. But Gionta has three assists in two games so far on the team. So now we have to talk about him. He's taken Riley Nash's spot on the Heinen in line with nash going to line one to take bergeron spot who is injured so yeah that's probably the bigger news that i should have let off this boston talk with and not that they got brian is that patrice bergeron is out with uh fractured right foot he's going to be out for at least two weeks and maybe longer so that's really tough news for Bergeron owners right before the fantasy playoffs but of course now we get to take a look at some new line combinations and potentially some new players with fantasy value they were rolling with Marchand, Riley Nash and Pasternak and then Krejci with Rick Nash and DeBrusque and then Bacchus with Gianta and Heinen and the top power play was Bacchus, Marshawn, Rick Nash, Pasternak, and Tori Krug. I'm referring to yesterday's game versus Montreal. So here are my takeaways, Brian. I'm going to say a bunch of them to you, just like with Nashville, and then you can comment on who you want. So we get Riley Nash on line one, a prime spot with Marshawn and Pasternak, of course. No points yesterday versus Montreal, but he had a goal and an assist on Tuesday versus Carolina. Then he had two assists on Thursday in the crazy 8-4 win over Pittsburgh. So he is looking really good in that spot. No power play time, but... Hey, line one with Marshawn and Pasternak that at least puts him in Lucic territory for what it's worth. And he's actually getting some points. Then we have Rick Nash, who is already getting top power play time after joining the team. And now that's obviously cemented with Bergeron gone. Like he's not going anywhere. And Rick Nash has been so good. He has two goals and one assist and 23 shots in four games for the Bruins so far. I imagine he's got to be owned in any league. We've said that about some other players. Rick Nash might be the guy I say that about the most, especially if your league counts shots, which I'm sure it does great spot for david backus now on the top power play with bergeron out nothing much to show for it yet but lots of shots and lots of hits lately probably as valuable as he'll ever get in a bangers and mash league at this point so if you ever were to want david backus now would be the time to add him then we get david Krejci who's kind of getting dissed, I feel like, like Bergeron injured, you think that's now his opportunity to jump to line one in power play one, but no, Krejci, you stay on line two, you stay on the second power play, you don't get to go anywhere, but hey, he's still rolling, doing well, he had a hat trick a couple games ago in that game against Pittsburgh, and then yeah, there's Gianta, like I said, he's in a nice spot, so Brian, what are your thoughts on this whole Bergeron situation? I assume Rick Nash is owned, and obviously Bacchus is golden in the bangers and MASH league, who do you like best of all these other potential free agents on the Boston Bruins? Because Boston does have a very nice four game schedule next week so one of these guys could make for a very good ad at least for the short term
1: um you kind of covered a, re- a whole lot of ground there so I think I'll, I'll just say my part quickly which is that I suppose all of them are worth a look although that's not a helpful thing to say at all we've been surprised with Boston's secondary scoring all year long though it's certainly tapered off from guys like Danton Heinen and DeBrusque who've been very quietly lately David Krejci is the one uh, who's most probably the one who's most likely to be available in your league that I am into. Of course, Rick Nash as well. Riley Nash would be after Krejci. Rick Nash would be before Krejci. It's really frustrating to have two R-Nashes, two R-I-Nashes on the same team. I'm adjusting. Anyway, I just want Bergeron back so badly. Thank goodness for Rick Nash that the Bruins are trying Riley at first line center so that Rick can still play with David Krejci, which could be good for both Rick and David.
0: Okay, hopefully the listeners follow the for that. We'll try to get a confusing as we move forward. While we're here, let's talk about the defense on Boston. So Tori Krug, by the way, has five points in his last three games. He took 10 shots yesterday versus Montreal. He's currently on pace to beat his season high of 51 points from last year. He is 43 in 59 games. Tori Krug is so, so good. And we've told you that. He's been on cold streaks before. And we've said, don't worry about it. He's really good. He's on an amazing top power play. So I hope you have him. Nothing to ask about him. The guy we got to talk about is Charlie McAvoy, who was hurt yesterday. He left the game with a lower body injury. Mallory in the chat room here asked if anyone's heard about the McAvoy injury. Unfortunately, I haven't heard much. We don't know yet how long he's going to be out. Hopefully, it won't be for long. He's been on a nice run. He has six points in his last five games, but with him out, I feel like one guy who might benefit is Nick Holden. He's like the John Gilmore of the Boston Bruins. It's like a what? This guy? But he's in a nice spot. He actually has two assists in two games as a member of the Bruins. He actually came over in the trade with the Rangers. So for people who don't know, Nick Holden is on Boston and he's been getting second unit power play time with Charlie McAvoy out or at least he did for a bit in that last game where McAvoy got injured and also Nick Holden has 10 shots in his two games he's played for Boston so I would definitely add him to your watch list especially if news comes out that McAvoy will be out for a while what do you think about Nick Holden Brian
1: not terribly excited about him. I am happy that Tory Kruger is back on track, though, and we can stop answering questions about people wanting to drop him. He's always had this upside and potential. It's been unfortunate that there have been a few long dry spells over the last couple of years. We've been wondering what's going to happen and if McAvoy is going to take over, but I'm glad he is firmly establishing himself as the team's best offensive defenseman. Man, Brian, you're a bit yeah,
0: that was a bit of a wet blanket thing. You totally
1: just dismissed my whole Nick Holden thing. Did you see? I
0: did all this research, I bet you didn't even realize. I bet you most people don't even realize he had four shots in his first game with Boston and he had an assist. Then he had six shots yesterday versus Montreal and got another assist. That's good. What else what else do you want? He's been playing over 20 minutes. now there's an opening on the second power play. I mean, in a deepish league, you gotta at least take a look at Nick Holden, right?
1: You're right. You're right. He has a bigger role. He's playing a couple more minutes a night already on average, like in his first two games with Boston for what that's worth. He was averaging 19 minutes so far this year with the Rangers. It's nice that he's played 20 and a half and 22 minutes. That's giving him more opportunities for shots. Elon, everyone should definitely go out and add Nick Holden right now. No, I'm just joking. But let me ask you, who would you prefer between Nick Holden and John Gilmore? Nick Holden. Nick Holden and Anthony D'Angelo. Nick Holden. Nick Holden and Sami Vatnin. Vatnin. Nick Holden and Zach Wierenski. Uh, Wierenski. Okay, now rank them all. Okay, Vatnin, Wierenski, Holden, and then the Rangers guys. Wow, good retention. I, I could not hold you. To, like, if you asked me what are the names of the guys you brought up, I would have had no idea. What a okay. guy. Very skilled.
0: Hey. Let us know on Twitter at Kevin Carlson (laughs) what you think of my ranking. Okay, so that's all the trades I want to talk about. Let's look at some injuries now. So Max Pacioretty was also hurt in this game versus the Bruins. I mentioned McAvoy before. Also, Victor Mete was injured. So this was a very dangerous game that happened between the Habs and the Bruins. The Rotor World update for Pacioretty suggested that maybe he'll get shut down just like his fellow Hab, Shea Weber, and Carey Price, who who knows if he'll be coming back. So, like, what a season for the Habs. What a terrible season for the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians. I'm sure Matthew is here in the chat room just crying, or maybe he's already given up on the year. Maybe this is good news because it's a better chance for them to tank, lose all their games, and then get a chance at Rasmus Dalin. Though, anti Niemi isn't helping by playing really well, as I said earlier. I'll get to him in a sec. Let's take a look at the Habs with Pacioretty out. Looks like they put Druin, Galchenyuk, and Gallagher on the same line after this Pacioretty injury. Though, 1st we'll have to see once they have time to really digest this, what they're going to do. But hey, good news for Druin, Galchenyuk, and Gallagher, right? They get to play on a good line with each other. Bad news for like everyone else on the Habs who won't have any good line mates to play with. Paul Byron was on the top power play with those guys in Petrie for what it's worth at the end of the last game. But I'd imagine there's like no reason to add Paul Byron. So I don't even know if there's really any comment to make on the Habs, except that they're probably going to not score as many goals with Max Pacioretty out. Not that Max Pacioretty has been so amazing this year. He's actually been very disappointing. We had a question on our Facebook group of what, pe- what we actually expect out of him for next year. And I was like, I don't know, a 60 to 65 point pace. But obviously we have to really look into it. He'll be definitely a guy we'll bring up in our summer series and we'll dig into what went wrong with Max Pacioretty this year. But Brian, let's talk about anti-Niemi. Do we need to now declare him as the probable starter for the rest of the year, or at least until Price comes back for the Habs? Like I thought that it was going to be Charlie Lindgren who would come up and Niemi would kind of suck. And then Lindgren would get a chance to show what he's got for the rest of the year. But Niemi has been great. He has a 936 save percentage in his last eight games for Montreal And Niemi, he's holding off Lindgren. I think he's going to be the starter for now. Though, of course, there is the chance that he has a big blow up and then Lindgren gets the next game and then everything changes. But for now, should people be going out and adding anti-Niemi? I feel dirty just asking.
1: You should probably consider it you're not going to be guaranteed anything. You can hope that he continues this run. You can hope that that helps Niemi and the Habs pick up some wins. Uh, We talked about, again, I don't remember if this was on the last week or the Patreon cast, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but the Habs made a commitment to Lindgren, right? They just signed him to a three-year deal where I think the plan is for him to be someone who lessens Carey Price's workload, like not just a number two, but a functional number two, not just someone who's, who's riding the pine 65 games a year. So I wonder if they're looking for an opportunity to get Lindgren in, or if they're happy to let Niemi just keep rolling if he gets a longer leash because of all that he's done. No idea, except that good for Niemi for probably, or I shouldn't say probably, because I have no idea, but maybe he has just saved his career. Maybe he's added another year to the length of his time in the NHL. I could totally see Niemi backing up in like Edmonton next year.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty funny. And then Talbot gets injured. Then Niemi gets to go on a run like this once again. It's very strange. Like, Or maybe Anthony Niemi would be smart. I don't know what his financial situation is. Maybe it would be smart to like retire now high. Like, I was thinking, Like, oh, what a terrible end to his career. He was like so terrible in Pittsburgh. I thought he'd never play another NHL game. I was so shocked when Florida signed him. Then he was terrible there. Then I was so, so shocked when Montreal signed. I was like, poor guy. He's going to go out as a laughingstock. Now he gets to go out as a hero or whatever you would call playing well for the Habs down the stretch while they try to tank for Darlene. But yeah, looking good. Like Brian, Niemi or Chad Johnson for next week, assuming similar competition.
1: I will take anti-Niemi. Elon over under on Niemi Habs jerseys that have been sold. 100 over under. Under. (laughs) Definitely. I would love to see one though.
0: What a terrible purchase. He played eight games for the team. Okay. Uh, next injury, Matt Murray got hit in the head with a puck during practice on Monday and suffered a concussion. So that is terrible luck, though. He skated on Friday. So perhaps he won't be out too long, which makes me breathe a big sigh of relief. As I've mentioned that I made my bet on the Pittsburgh Penguins to win the cup this year. And I do not feel as confident if Matt Murray is not there, especially since the goalies haven't been too great after him. So Casey DeSmith got first crack on Tuesday as the starter on Pittsburgh, and he played well. He started 35 of 38 shots in a 3-2 loss to New Jersey. And that earned Casey DeSmith the next start where he got pummeled for three goals against on five shots before getting pulled in the crazy game they had against Boston. Then Tristan Jari came in relief for Casey DeSmith in that game against Boston. And he continued the brutal game. He let in five goals on 33 shots. But then he still got the start on Friday versus the Islanders. And he had a pretty good game. 25 of 27 shots saved, got the 3-2 win. So I'd imagine now the ball is in Tristan Jari's court moving forward pittsburgh has four games next week playing calgary on monday philly on wednesday toronto on saturday and dallas on sunday how do you see this shaking out, brian do you have any confidence in either of these guys to put up decent numbers in the games they play at the end of the day they play on the pittsburgh penguins there's going to be a shot for a win for sure whenever they play and i'm guessing right now we're leaning towards jari since he's the last one to have had a good game
1: Yeah, that's why I have some confidence in DeSmith or Jari. I have confidence that Pittsburgh is going to give them a shot to win most nights, even when Jari or DeSmith may not deserve to. It's not necessarily a sure thing. Like, Pittsburgh is not flying way high above the rest of the league in terms of, like, if you're looking to try and measure team performance. I sometimes look at expected goal differential over the last five games, which is available, by the way, over at Sean Tierney's Tableau site. Charting Hockey is his name on Twitter. You can find a link through there. I credit it at the end of the show. Anyway... Back to Jari and DeSmith. If you made me pick a guy to commit to as the Pittsburgh coach, not a fantasy player, but as the Pittsburgh coach for the next four games, I would go to Smith. based on the numbers they've put up so far, which showed that DeSmith has outperformed his expected save percentage by about four thousandths of a percent, which sounds small, but in hockey, it's kind of a big deal. That's like posting a nine fourteen when a nine ten was expected, whereas Jari is underperforming compared to his expected save percentage, posting a 9-11 when the expected even strength number for him is 9.19, which is interesting because both goalies have pretty different expected save percentage numbers at even strength while playing for the same team. That's probably a function of Jari having almost 600 more minutes played to get a bigger sample. Also, how the Pens were doing during his first Murray replacement stint. But back to the matter at hand, back to the question you asked Elon, which guy do I want? this week between Jari and DeSmith or compared to Niemi I want either one over Niemi um I'm not you didn't ask that though so now I'm sticking my neck out for no reason which is foolish okay um seems like DeSmith is the guy if all things are equal but pens are also letting the results determine who starts so if one goalie gets more games than the other my guess is going to be that, that it's DeSmith who gets them, but it's really a total guess because if Jari plays well on Monday, if he does get to play on Monday and plays well, I imagine it's close enough between the two that they're happy to go with whoever is giving them wins. And I've been wrong about this since Murray's been injured and during the previous injury too. So my track record for guessing between Jari and DeSmith is not very good.
0: Okay, Brian, normally I'm the one who rambles. That was like a rare (laughs) stretch for you to just sort of talk about Jari and DeSmith. I don't even know if you actually said very much. It sounds like you said you think DeSmith is better because of some expected save percentage numbers, but who knows what will actually happen moving into the next week. I do think that Jari is going to get the next game for what it's worth.
1: I said DeSmith is better based on expected save percentage numbers.
0: Yeah, I heard that. That was great. Great take, Brian. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so let's obviously since we're on Pittsburgh, we gotta do it. Gotta look at their lines, just because as you know, as a listener keeping Carlson, you're probably tired of this. You could skip forward a minute if you don't care, but there's always value to be had in free agency if you have a player playing with Crosby or Malkin, of course. So. Yesterday versus the Islanders, they had Crosby with Gensel and Horncust, Malkin with Rust and Haglin, then Brassard with Kessel and Simone. Top power play was as it usually is. Nothing special there. So Derek Briscard scored a goal yesterday. A minute later, Brian, you texted me saying, Oh, Brassard looking good on the Penguins. He, he, sure, he has a goal and an assist in three games so far, which is a great pace, two points every three games. If he hadn't scored a goal yesterday, we would have been able to say, wow, he's on a terrible pace, only one point in every three games. So pretty small sample size, but great to see him score a goal yesterday for sure. Uh, Rust and Haglin haven't done much playing with Malkin lately. So I'd imagine either the lines will get shaken up again or one of them will do well because you can't play with Malkin for too long and not do well. So definitely keep your eye on Haglin and Rust. Brian, I won't even waste your time with a question of who's looking good on this nice four-game schedule for the Penguins next week. You guys all know the drill. If you can get a player playing with Crosby or Malkin, you're in good shape. Maybe even Dominic Simone playing with Kessel and Broussard could be good. But keep in mind, the lines can change at the drop of a dime. So definitely don't bank on any of these guys. Like I know you're going to see, oh, Pittsburgh's playing Monday and Wednesday. So I might as well grab Brian Rust and I'll get two games of him playing with Malkin. Who knows if after Monday, he actually still plays with Malkin on Wednesday. So add these players at your own risk and brian by the way my pick of getting malkin to win the art ross that i haphazardly made a few episodes ago is looking like okay but not great at this point kucherov has 85 points and malkin is tied with mcdavid at 79 points so even if malkin stays healthy the rest of the year i feel like he's going to get rested in the last week or so and so mcdavid will probably play the whole way since edmonton's not going to be making the playoffs so it'll be really tough for malkin to take this i think it's at this point between kucherov and mcdavid do you want to make an updated pick of who you think it's going to be between Kucherov, McDavid, or the field?
1: I'm going to stick with Kucherov, who I think is who I said the last time we did this, so I'm just going to stay the course. I see no reason to change. And by the way, like you, you, skip, you usually ask me about the Penguins players, and I hate to comment on them, but I just wanted to point out Jake Gensel in the four-game week He is heating up, so if he's been forgotten in your league, still inconsistent, but maybe worth a shot, while Brian Russ and Carl Haglund have cooled down, but of course, that does not predict what's going to happen in the next four Penguins games, just so you know the latest.
0: Yeah, I would also take Gensel at the top of these guys if he's available in free agency. Playing with Crosby and Hornqvist, that's a really good line, of course. Okay, next injury, Josh Anderson will be out for around four weeks for Columbus with a knee sprain. He's gone in and out of fantasy relevance throughout the year, but... I thought I would mention him and you know, he might be a decent sleeper pick for next year. Like don't forget about Josh Anderson, who was getting some line one time. So Columbus is playing today. Lately, the blue jackets have been running Atkinson Dubois, and Naren on their top line in power play, and I should mention that the newly acquired Thomas Vanek and Seth Jones have been with them on the top power play. So I guess at this point Dubois is looking really good, right? If you could get him playing on the top line and top power play, he goes hot and cold. But I like him right now; he's pointless in three, but I'd imagine it won't last long while he's in this good spot. Columbus, by the way, their game hasn't started. They're playing against San Jose later on. Also, Thomas Vanek. He has nothing so far in two games, playing at even strength with Jenner and Dubinsky. Lately, I'm not interested in him at all. What about you, Brian?
1: I'm not that interested in Thomas Vanek either. Uh, I don't see his role increasing a whole lot compared to what he was doing in Vancouver. He's just another piece in the Columbus top nine that may get a point here and there, but nothing dependable. Just three shots in two games as of time of recording as a Blue Jacket. So I'm going to want to see more from him before my interest is peaked. One thing I did note, I saw the lines tweeted out for tonight's game, and it's now Vanek, Jenner, and Wenberg. So instead of Dubinsky, Wenberg is a centerman, which is an upgrade, but it still doesn't make me any more excited.
0: Yeah, Vonick, I would think, would have me interested just because he's on the top power play, kind of like Pat Maroon. Like, doesn't matter where he's playing at even strength, but he's on a top power play. Though, of course, this New Jersey top power play with Taylor Hall is a lot more appealing to me right now than the Columbus top power play. So I'd say of any guy on Columbus... I would want Dubois that might be a free agent. I should mention that Cam Atkinson has been really good lately. He has five points in his last four games, nine points in his last 11 games. We'll have to look at him again in the summer. We said going into this year that we didn't expect him to repeat his amazing year from last year. And it seemed like we were right for a while, but then he got injured and lately he's been really good though. So who knows for next year, maybe we'll have to update our prediction of like what type of player we think that Cam Atkinson is. But for now, Brian, I'm ready to get into some hot streaks and cold streaks to close out the show And we've got to start in Vancouver where Daniel Sedin is on fire. He's got eight goals and six assists in his last 10 games. That's 14 points in 10 games for Daniel Sedin. What year is this? And of course, Henrik, right along with him, eight assists in that span over these last 10 games. Now's a great time, by the way, to add a Sedin. Like Vancouver plays next week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, four off day games. It's the best schedule you can get in fantasy and this top power play, Besser, Horvat, the Sadines, and Edler is killer right now. I would definitely want any of these guys, if I can, maybe not Henrik Sedine just because he's so useless in other categories, aside from assists and power play points. But Daniel, you got to add him. Also, Alex Edler, like he's been so clutch. Like he was a free agent ad in pretty much all leagues. I doubt he was drafted in any leagues. And he has six assists in the last 10 games, which is pretty good for a defenseman. Plus four of those have been on the power play and he's getting a ton of hits and blocks and shots. Alex Edler... Really, really good. So, Brian, I know you're concerned about the Sedins will slow down. We talked about him on Thursday's Patreon Cast, but I feel like Daniel has got to be a must-add at this point if somehow he's still available, at least for next week. He's on an amazing hot streak, and he has an amazing schedule. Like, what more can you want?
1: Nothing. You couldn't want any, well, you could want him to absolutely keep it up for this week while he's on your team in a great off night schedule. And Elon, you mentioned his name quickly. I just want to repeat it. Henrik Sedin, also worth considering, more likely to be available in your league. He's on a five game point streak, one assist in each of those five games, three of them on the power play. And even going back like 10 games, like you said, Elon, before this run, he'd be getting a point every other game or so. Currently, Henrik has 41 assists. And according to the Dave Betten shots on goal versus assist counter. Henrik Sedin is 12 assists short of his current shot total. Uh, It's unlikely that it happens, but we can still dream, right?
0: Yeah, that would be pretty funny, but I think it's pretty unlikely to happen at this point. Henrik's probably going to still take a couple more shots before the season is over. So even if he gets those 12 assists, I don't think it'll be enough. Okay, next hot streak, Brian, if you've been waiting on Nick Bjorkstad, I'm talking to you, the listener now. If you've been waiting on Nick Bjorkstad, I suggest you wait no longer and grab him before it is too late. He's been the Konechny to Barkov's Couturier, putting up five points in his last five games and nine points in his last 10 games. And that's before today, by the way, Bjorkstad had points again today. So- what I'm saying is Travis Konechny like you know got to the top line on Philly wasn't on the top power play we were like oh that's a good spot for him let's see how it goes and then he kept getting points and points and points at some point it was like okay you gotta grab Travis Konechny and at this point Konechny probably owned in all leagues and I'm seeing the exact same pattern from Nick Bjugstad not only does he have nine points in his last 10 games going into today he also had 34 shots in that span so he's helping you a lot there I feel like if you regret missing out on Konechny why not go out and grab Nick Bjugstad in fact Brian I don't know would I be crazy to suggest that I'd prefer Biongstad over Konechny at this point like just looking at the players they're playing with obviously we love Konechny because he's playing with Giroux and Couturier but like Barkov he's so good like Alex Barkov is he underrated I don't even know but he is just as good as any player on the Philly top line at least lately he has 19 points in his last 14 games dadanov has 14 points in his last 10 games and Florida is just on fire plus Biongstad takes a lot of shots I don't know. I'm not sure that I would actually drop me for Nick Bjogstad, but I see them as similar. What do you think of this take? Is this too crazy of a take? And I know actually some news came out today that Bjogstad got bumped from the top line for a short time, though then news came out that maybe that won't last. So I don't know if that changes things for me. But as I was writing this, I was really high on Nick Bjogstad.
1: Yeah. And I think you can be high on Nick Bukestad. Go get him if he's available in your league. I was reading some stuff by Matthew DeFranks, the Florida beat writer for the Sun Sentinel, and he seems pretty sold on the idea that top line Bukestad can be a thing based on the results the Panthers are getting from it. And why not, right? If you can move Jonathan Huberto off your top line, have that top line not miss a beat, and then parachute Huberto into somewhere else in the lineup where he can help create offense, that makes sense. Of course, This whole setup can change again anytime. But in the short term, I am interested in Nick said. I like his shot counts a touch more than Konechny's, though Konechny has been doing just fine in that department lately. He has just one fewer shot over his last four games than said. Thing is that I don't know, like, when you're looking at who do you like more between Konechny and said, This Florida line is super hot. The Philadelphia line has cooled off. And that balance is going to shift again over the course of the rest of the season. So all things being equal both lines clicking as they would, they're probably pretty similar. I would be a little more hesitant than you to swap out Konechny for Björkstad because I'm just waiting to be totally sold on Björkstad staying there. But it does seem like it's going to be a thing now. I'd say they're both equally valuable.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if I was actually saying that people should drop Konechny for said. I just see them as similar. I think I would actually hold Konechny, but I would try to find a spot for Bjogstad if you can, just because he's on this super hot line. Alex Barkov, so amazing. You tweeted today. You think he has a future. I agree. We were worried about Barkov because of his injury concerns. Like, he's always been so good, but he got injured every year. Don't want to jinx it. I probably just did. But I think that it's really nice seeing him put up a season of not getting injured, and he's showing us just how good he could be, which is fan-freaking-tastic. And by the way, a quick note on Florida. Dennis Malgan has been out with an injury and the Panthers have been trying out different options for his spot with Chocek and Huberdo on line two. Radim Verbata and Connor Brinkley have both been seeing some time there and haven't done anything with it. I was just looking at the practice lines today and it seems like McGinn, Jamie McGinn was practicing there on the line with Hubert Doe and Trocek. So it's a really good line. So might be worth watching to see who lands there and if he could do anything might be McGinn. So add him to your watch list. Okay. Next hot streak, Brian, with his goal today, Toivo Taravainen on Carolina has a goal in six of his last seven games. Almost every game he scores a goal. Who is he? Taylor Hall? It's Toivo Vinen. He's looking really good. He's up to 52 points in 66 games. That's a 65 point pace. He's now just slightly behind Sebastian Ajo's pace. Ajo has 51 points in 62 games, which is around a 68 point pace compared to Taravinen's 65 point pace. Doubtful that Taravainen is out there right now. If he's available, I'm assuming we'll say that we should add him. I know we've said that about a lot of people, so you got to compare a lot of people. But I really like Toivo right now. He's not available in any of my leagues. But I wonder how long he'll fall in drafts next year just because I don't think people think of Toivo Taravainen as someone that you have to draft high. Like, I know everyone is going to be drafting Sebastian Ajo, and I'll bet you that you can get Toivo Taravainen a few rounds later in your draft, and maybe they're actually the same. Like, what do you think? Am I being crazy right now in saying that Taravainen might be almost as valuable as Aho in
1: drafts next year? You're not crazy because Taravainen, like he's had his dry spells this year, he's been very streaky. So has Aho. Aho's come out with a bit more than Vinan at the end of the day. And I also wonder how much you're getting too excited about Taravainen's value based on the fact that he has scored five goals on his last 16 shots. So that's a more than 30% shooting conversion rate, which of course won't continue. I don't need to tell you that. Everybody knows, like if Teravinen scored five goals in his last five games, like obviously, I, I don't need to tell you that's unsustainable. I would still much prefer Sebastian Ajo, but maybe Teravinen deserves to be drafted in the later rounds next year, as opposed to plucked off the free agent pile. Maybe he surpassed Elias Lindholm as the next most likely hurricane after Skinner and Aho to get you points.
0: Yeah, and Skinner versus Terravine is actually a whole other conversation because Skinner yeah. has been pretty disappointing. But a conversation for another day. People in the chat room are freaking out because they're just finding out that Nylander is on the third line on Toronto. Like, we talked about this last week, right? Like, Austin Matthews is injured. So for the short term, Nylander's not in a great spot. Like, he's been playing with Hyman and Placanitz, who just came from Montreal. So, yeah, like, now's not a good time for Nylander. But if you're thinking, like, there was a question of drop Nylander for who has a Konechny or something. By the way, this chat room is a whole bunch of drop this guy for this guy, this guy for this guy. It's tough in here. Man, like, if I was paying attention to the chat room, like, there's some really tough questions. But anyways, I wouldn't drop Nylander unless you need help, like, ASAP. Like, unfortunately, Toronto actually has a very bad schedule next week. They only play twice. So it's going to be a really rough week to have to hold Nylander, get hardly any games, and have him on a bad line. But if you can get through that week, once Austin Matthews is back, then Nylander goes right back to playing with Austin Matthews on what I'd imagine is the top line on Toronto. So... Hope that helps people in the chat room. Uh, Yeah, like, I'm sorry about Nylander now, but he'll obviously be good when Matthews is back. Okay, Brian, next hot streak I wanted to bring up is Antti Ranta. Man, remember how we said that we thought he'd be like great for save percentage or at least good for save percentage, but don't expect many wins? And I know we did actually predict. I want to like give us a bit of a pat on the back. We said like we think that Arizona could get a few wins. Like this is around the midway point, like around the All-Star game. We we're saying they could be a sneaky team that could get more wins than they did in the first half of the year. But I don't think anyone expected that Auntie Ranta would have won six of his last seven decisions, which he has done with a 9.52 save percentage in that span. So Auntie Ranta is hot, hot, hot as are the Arizona Coyotes. How is Arizona winning all of these games? What is happening? Is this luck or are they actually a decent team now? And if Ranta is still a free agent in your league, I'm just going to start calling you out as being in clown league. Like Ranta should be owned. He's really good. And now Arizona even is potentially winning games. But even if they don't, he gets you a ton of saves and he puts up really good numbers. He's a really good goalie.
1: He's a really good goalie, but he's still not on a very good team. So I don't know if I'd say that if Ranta available in your league, it's a clown league. I still see reason for him not to be owned. Although the reasons for him to be owned are pretty compelling since he went 7-1-1 in his last nine decisions. So just one regulation loss for Ranta in his last nine games. He's got a 944 save percentage in that stretch too. And he's had to be that amazing to earn the wins that he's gotten three of Ranta's last four wins have come with very very weak goal support to the tune of two goals or fewer scored by his teammates and although Arizona is presently posting one of their high watermarks of the season and expected goals for differential I'm not sure even that's enough to expect the wins to continue at or even near the rate they've been coming recently for anti-Ranta so you can add him but I'm not sure that he's going to keep getting wins when he only gets one or two goals worth of support.
0: Yeah, so that is fair. Like, Adranta, not hoping for wins. They are a bonus cherry on top, and he's on a great run right now, but I do expect these good save percentage numbers to continue, like, not a 952 save percentage, but I think above average is a reasonable expectation at this point, and it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up next year. And, Brian, let's end with a cold streak. We've got to go to the New York Islanders and ask, what is going on with John Tavares? His assist yesterday was his first point in six games, and he's only taken one or two shots. In each of his last five or so games. Like, Tavares is doing nothing. He's doing worse than uh, replacement level. This is a guy, like, he almost cost me my first round couple matchup by being so bad. If he would have just been average, I would have comfortably won my matchup. And instead, he's done nothing. What can we expect moving forward with him? Is this just a slump, or is he going to continue to be bad for the rest of the year? And and not only is he doing badly, but he's taking Anders Lee and Josh Bailey down with him. Like, finally, yesterday, Anders Lee had a goal and an assist. Before that, he was pointless in four games. Josh Bailey again had points in his last game, but before that he was pointless in five. So yeah, like maybe now with this one good game that just happened in which there was like a goal for that line, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. But like, I'm still worried. I want you to either talk me off the ledge, like not that I could do anything. I'm not going to drop John Tavares, but I have him in a couple of leagues. And I just want to know, should I expect the worst moving forward? Or do you think it's just like going to happen next week? He'll be back to being the near point per game guy that he's been all season long before this dry run.
1: It's been a really, really challenging time for John Tavares owners, especially anyone who had become acclimatized to the insane production he was offering through, I don't have a number, 40 games, say. But now Tavares is goalless in his last six games. Even more concerning about that, though, is that Tavares has only taken 10 shots in those six games. Over his last nine games, Tavares has surpassed two shots, just once, and there have been four occasions on which Tavares has registered one lone puck on net. Now, why am I banging this drum so hard? This is very strange behavior for Tavares, who is a guy who's averaged three shots per game since the third year of his career, since he was 21. So I'm not sure exactly why the shots have dried up. His ice time has also taken a slight, but still noticeable dip. And these are the sorts of things that make me wonder whether a player is playing through something, whether they're playing injured. Why would Tavares be playing injured while the Isles are still in the wild card hunt, but they've only won twice in their last 10. They're slipping out of the picture. I don't know what's going on, but maybe we'll find out if and when the Isles fade further out of the playoff hunt, if Tavares is hurt or if he's just, I don't know, not up to the task of continuing to do what he's essentially done for the last six or seven years. I imagine the former is more likely. And by the way, uh, for what it's worth, Matt Barzal, Still doing his job pointless in his last two, but he had five points in three games before that. And he's also seeing a small bump in ice time that uh, sort of uh, correlates, not correlates. What's the word I'm looking for? Commensurates. It is happening at the same time. Coincides with Tavares' <laughs> decrease in ice time.
0: Okay, crazy question for you, Brian. If you had to choose right now, you're running my fantasy team. I've gotten into an accident. I can't manage my team for the rest of the year. So, somehow, it's not the trade deadline. Why am I coming up with such a crazy scenario? When yeah, it's just
1: morbid. Out? Why don't you just say, like, I need to step away for a minute.
0: <laughs> anyway, it's not even an option. But if I had the option right now to swap out Tavares and Barzil, would I do that? Or would that be crazy?
1: Like, swap out Tavares for Barzil?
0: Yeah, for the rest of the season.
1: Oh, man. I, I wouldn't call you crazy just because like, this is me totally speculating that something's up with Savarez. I would want to try and get a little more information because if he can bounce back, like if he just needs like a day off, then I would rather him. But if you're desperate, nah, I still wouldn't do it, but I could totally understand the thought. Would yeah. you?
0: I don't know I mean it's very frustrating I made it through now Brian in our joint league we also have Tavares we're gonna need him to uh do something please if if it wouldn't be too much like you say and you know by the way this isn't completely unprecedented last year there was a long stretch where Tavares was doing nothing but then he was really great at the end of the year so I don't know maybe he goes cold and hopefully he's learning some lessons and now he'll be ready to go for our fantasy playoff surge that's what we need you for John Tavares and with that I guess Brian that's all of my content for this week's show so this has been great, great takes all along. I don't know. Do you have anything left to say or should we go and start to wrapping this thing up?
1: We can wrap it up like okay. a Christmas, like an Easter gift. Okay. No, yeah. Not there yet. Do oh. People give gifts like a leap day gift.
0: Is that, oh yeah, that just happened. Happy birthday to you, February
1: 29th people. I almost, but it wasn't even a leap year this year. I was say- trying. I was trying to reference leap day, William from 30 rock. But you know what? You reference Thirty
0: Rock so much. Why can't you reference like a more contemporary show like Seinfeld or you know like Thirty Rock? How's it How Seinfeld more contemporary than Thirty Rock? Just in terms of pop culture. Like no one makes Thirty Rock. It's not reasons. contemporary at all. Seinfeld's probably still on more than like most shows that are currently being filmed now. Like I think it's on like five times a night if you scroll through the channels that someone has cable. Like I haven't had cable for a while, but I have a feeling Seinfeld is still making a lot of money in syndication. Likely. And I don't think 30 Rock is.
1: Likely. Okay. Can we, okay. Wrapping up the show.
0: So what do, what do we do when we wrap up? We thank the listeners. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. If you have given us a five-star review on iTunes in the past, or if you've subscribed to us on iTunes or any other device, I don't know, something that kind of helps the show, we really appreciate that. Of course, we're giving you this show for free out of the goodness of our hearts. And, you know, if you wanted to help us out in that very simple way, we wouldn't mind. But do you do you don't worry about it either way we just are happy that you're listening and hopefully enjoying the show you can tweet at us at keeping carlson let us know what we could be doing to make the show better what we can help you with more going into your fantasy playoffs as the season approaches its end it's always fun to be a little experimental as we go into the end of the year of course we have our patron program so i did say for free but you can get bonus stuff we not only do this episode which is for free we also do an extra episode every week for our patrons where we answer mailbag questions and end up just talking about what's been going on in fantasy over the last few days so if you like our show you want to get some bonus content there's also other perks from being a patron so i won't bore you with all of that but you could check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron and get a little bonus for your fantasy playoffs sign up even for a month or two then you could cancel maybe you'll like it maybe you'll get hooked we have a really fun patron community over on facebook if you want to commit to that amount uh brian with that though i think i'm done so how about we cue the outro music and how about you go ahead and read us the credits
1: all right, this episode of the Keepin' Carlson Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons, including our newest ones, Shams L., Andrew, Lucas A., Sarah J. Thank you all for joining us at this point in the season. We really appreciate it. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospect, Corsica, Natural Stat Trick, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, proto world and fan tracks.
0: damn brian that's a long list of citations you did a lot of work for the show so great job as always and we will catch all of you for another episode next sunday 8 p.m eastern time if you want to join us live at keepingcarlson.com slash live plus we'll talk to our patrons later in the week for the mailbag show
1: until then keep on keeping carlson